Welcome to the Jannie and Angie Show with January Donovan and Angela Schneiders. We have a dream to rebuild our church and restore the tender love of Christ to every human heart. We believe in women's irreplaceable role in rebuilding our church, our culture, and our domestic church. As St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. It is time to rise and reclaim souls for Christ. We must deepen our formation as women and prepare ourselves to lead the new evangelization. Our vision in the Women's School is to build our church one woman's formation at a time, and only then will we set the world on fire for Christ. Welcome to Rebuild Our Church podcast. I'm so excited because I get to just visit with my incredible friends here that I truly share both our faith and our faith and just a journey of life. And um, MK, thank you for being here. MK is a super mom, super businesswoman, super faithful Catholic. And um, obviously Angela is here. And really the mission and vision that we have in Rebuild Our Church is to really have practical conversations on how to rebuild our church from the inside out through the formation of women. So um MK, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit, literally, you know, 30 seconds. And um, our topic today is we're going to just talk about how to grow as Catholic women in context of our faith. So MK, take away three. Thank you all so much for having me on here. Um, I'm so honored and um, grateful to be here with you all. So grateful to have formed a beautiful friendship with Jannie and Angie over the past few months. It really has been such a gift to me, but I am Mary Catherine Wathen, and um, despite my accent, I know you would think I was from New York City, but I'm from Kentucky, live here <laughs> with my uh, amazing husband, who I had no idea how much the Lord was blessing me the day I got married. We actually celebrated 15 years together of marriage yesterday. And, oh, um, happy anniversary. Thank you. We have six children. We have four girls and two boys. So And twins. And, That's and right. One set of twins. One set of twins. Yeah. Um, it's, that was a nice, a two for two for one. We call them a two for a two for one. You are a wild lady. So, our first I'm, three babies we had in just over a year. So I don't remember it, but Will tells me we were really happy. So. <laughs> you are really happy. <laughs> Amidst the dance. So, um, today we, I thought we, you know, we, we try to cover topics that I think are close to the heart for so many of us women. And today, our topic really is that what does it mean to be growth mindset um, in, in context of being a woman and in context of a faith, you know, somebody who wants to journey her faith and go deeper in her faith. So I want to just get a little bit background. We can have a discussion afterwards of sort of where this concept of growth and fixed mindset comes from. So a little background, I'm just going to read it right here. So over 30 years ago, Carol Dweck and her colleagues became interested in students attitudes about failures. They noticed that some students rebounded while other students seemed devastated by even the smallest setbacks. After studying the behavior of thousands of children, Dr. Dweck coined the term fixed mindset and growth mindset to describe the underlying beliefs people have about learning and intelligence. When students believe they can get smarter, they understand that efforts make them stronger. Therefore, they put extra time and effort that leads them to higher achievement. Recent studies in neuroscience have, have shown us that the brain is far more malleable than we have ever known. Research on brain plasticity 
has shown how connectivity between neurons can change with experience. With practice, neural networks grow with connections, strengthen existing ones, and build insulation that speeds transmission of impulses. These neuroscientific discoveries have shown us that we can increase our neural growth by actions we take, such as good strategies, asking the right question, practicing, follow-up, good nutrition, sleeps, and habits. So basically, Dr. Carol Dweck wrote a book um, on mindset that has really become almost a pillar to, uh, I want to say, a lot of um, Fortune 500 companies and just conversations that has become mainstream. She did a TED Talk that was one of the most watched TED Talks on the difference between growth and fixed mindset. There's a book. Is that the book, Ange? and. Yeah. And basically, and you can talk a little bit about to Ange, and basically it just identifies, um, I think for us, more of an examination of conscience of how uh, to study ourselves. Are we being fixed in nutrition, maybe growth in you know, our faith, but fixed in other things. And it's been a really great concept of self-reflection. So Ange, maybe you can take it away a little bit of our experience as well of the book. Absolutely. And for our listeners out there, um, we just cannot recommend this book enough. Again, it's by Dr. Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. Her book is called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, How We Can Learn to Fulfill Our Potential. And I highly, highly encourage our listeners to purchase this book today, download it on Audible, because this literally is a game changer. And what it does is this book provides a language for how we approach life. And it, it's so easy, even the context of marriage, if you're dating with your friendships, to be able to identify, wow, that's a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And just by having a language for that, I've even found the context of my marriage, uh, when my husband and I were in our, our courtship and dating, just by having that common language transformed everything in how we spoke to one another, how we approached different ideas, and how we even approach failure. Um, and one of my key takeaways from, from Carol's book, Dr. Dweck's book, is that when we are, especially in the context of raising children, which we'll get here, we'll get here to in a moment, um, or working with our spouse, when we have a growth mindset, that basically conditions us that our failures are actually, or crises, are actually opportunities for a new start for a new launch. So that way, if we're encouraging young children to do, to work and work hard, um, in which case they might fail or they might succeed, we're always praising the work and not the child. So for example, if I tell my little Catherine, you are so smart, you're so smart. And um, then she's going to be afraid to, to fail because that will be an identity crisis. Then she's no longer smart. But if I praise you have worked so hard in preparing for your spelling test then she's going to be inclined to keep working harder and reaching out for new challenges. Mm -hmm. So this is something we'll keep unpacking. But again, for our listeners, this, this book truly is a game changer that the Donovan's and I think discovered maybe eight or nine years ago and has really become a foundation even for our work in the, in the woman's school. And to yes, so, on that, I, I did read that book as well, relatively recently recommended by you all. And I think it brought an awareness to me. I thought I was always very growth-minded and it has brought an awareness that I was not quite as growth-minded as I wanted to be. And there were areas where I was growth-minded, but when we talk about the arena of the integrated woman, there are definitely areas where I had a very fixed mindset and thought, oh, I have it figured out. I know that. And you know, we know that knowing is not growing and it's actually very repelling and something that I've really worked on in regards to learning in that book and through the woman's school, which I thank you very much for is the words I know and how often we say those 
we just have got to really become aware because they're repelling. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody says to you, you, oh, did you hear so-and-so had a baby? I know. Well, that's, that's not very kind and it's really not very charitable. So just trying to take, I know out of your language, try it. I challenge all the listeners to try it. It's, it's very challenging and it really is very eye opening. So I would highly recommend the book and really took so many pearls. I couldn't even begin to, to take one, but what you were speaking to and it's, it's well worth your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think MK it's, you know, it's one of those things that you don't even know you're saying it all day long. And the the really being mindful of what, you know, words becoming flesh and that it's getting wired literally in our brain is um, it's, it's, it's work (laughs) to pay attention. And honestly, I, I would the same experiences with you that I always sort of consider myself growth mindset until I read this book. And it's interesting because I speak to obviously thousands of women and if we don't see this book as a self-reflection and if we see this as knowledge, we kind of brush through the book. And this is going to hurt a little bit because, you know, we, we can know and not grow. And what I mean by that is that, yeah, I know that concept, but that's not really the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is you can know it, but are you actually consciously mindful of areas in your life where you're growing and you're fixed? Because Sometimes I see women like, oh yeah, I read that book. I know I've already read that book. That's, I, I think it's almost an indica- indication that there's a fixed mentality in there. Mm-hmm. But also secondly, I think it's language because like you said, I saw parts of my life where I was just like so fixed, you know, and I thought I was really growth minded, like nutrition. I was like, Ryan, no, thank you. I like my rice. Don't change my coffee, <laughs> you know, no. And nope, I like, and I just wasn't open, but you know, that's why the wheel is so important and really where this comes to play is in our marriage, because now we have language to hold each other accountable um, when we're not open to growing and we could just be like, you know, actually that's a fixed, that's a fixed statement, Ryan or Jane, that's actually a pretty fixed mindset. Why don't you just try this salt, (laughs) salt, pH, (laughs) because I was like, that's pond water. You're putting salt in my water. You're putting salt in my water, which Angela introduced us to this alkaline water in my husband, who's always so growth-minded when it comes to nutrition. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm good. I like my purified water. (laughs) (laughs) No pond water. But anyways, the point is, I think it it helps with marriage. And so we're going to talk about sort of where this really comes into play is obviously as mothers, because you know, and we're going to talk about the implication later on, really understanding what that is in context of, of raising children that are going to be open to growing and learning and not feel like their failure becomes their label. But then as mothers, because it comes from us, you know, these labels. And then in marriages, because if Mary, you know, we have this, you know, talked about earlier in Kay that honeymoon's like, oh, that's it, you know, and you can allow it. Yep. We I think we can all three speak to that it can last and it should last and marriage can and does get better. But it's better here. That's right. That it's supposed to get better. It was designed to get better, you know, not this seven year. I don't know. I remember that seven year itch or seven year itch. Yeah. Or we always had that, like, wait for another year. I'm like, Ryan's like, I'm going to show them what it's like in a year and Mm -hmm. five years. And, and, and then also for empty nesters, Mm -hmm. because I think there's a concept that, well, I've lived my life. I've raised my kids. 
Um, and now I'm kind of done and there's nothing more to learn. And we, we want to talk a little bit about the damage of living as though we can never receive because really growth minded is a life of receptivity, which is straight out of concept of femininity and the dangers of lack of receptivity is really quite a life of desperation. So, um, anyways, we can talk a little bit about maybe, um, what, you know, how is this in context of our faith? of and i'm going to read something in mk i want you what the difference between growth and fixed mindset so for growth mindset it's failure is an opportunity to grow i can learn and do anything i want i can learn i can learn to do anything i want challenge helps me grow my effort and attitude my effort and attitude determines my abilities feedback is constructive okay sorry i am inspired by success of others i like to try new things fixed mindset would be, oh, great. Did you share that? And fixed mindset would be failure is the limit of abilities. I'm either good at it or I'm not. My abilities are unchanging. I don't like to be changed. I can either do it or can't do it. My potential is predetermined. When I'm frustrated, I give up. Feedback and criticisms are personal. I stick to what I know. So thoughts on that, ladies? Probably... Well, I think that as did I share that? No. Did I do that? No. Yeah, it's shared. Um, I think that we live in this generation where we we do know so much because we have the inter- the internet and we have you know podcasts and we're constantly in this knowing generation of constant information overload. And so we think that we know it all. And as we think that we know it all, we're not open to growth and we're not open to ever learning anything new. The world is so huge and there are so many re- best possibilities and there's so much to learn you know I've had I've had several friends to me say oh I know I know about the Catholic faith they're not even Catholic I know everything there is and I'm like really because it's 2,000 years old and I've been studying it my whole life and I know the tip of the iceberg (laughs) tell me more you know so we really um it's such a dangerous place to be and you know and speaking to the empty nesters they do know a lot because they've lived a life and they they have a lot of wisdom to share with us, but when we have that know-it-all mentality, things are always changing and growing, and we can see that so quickly in our society today, um, but we have to be open to the fact that we can always be learning and knowing more and growing because knowing is not growing. It's actually repelling. Right, um, really nobody wants fun. to talk to a know-it-all. We tell our kids that all the time. Don't be a know-it-all. You know, you don't know everything and we don't know everything. You know, they'll ask, how do mom and dads know everything? We don't know everything. We've lived long enough to have several life experiences for us to draw on, but we definitely do not know everything. And I think that can be a very fixed mindset when it comes to the church of thinking we know everything because we do have the doctrinal truth in the Catholic church. That is absolute. Jesus Christ started this church. He gave us the doctrinal truth. But we obviously are not doing a great job catechizing it because 80% of our young people are leaving the church. So we might think we know what we're doing, but we obviously need to know and grow more Um, because we have the truth. We have the Eucharist. We have Jesus Christ in his body and his blood, and people are not coming back to church. They're not, they're not seeking Jesus. So we have, we have the correct doctrine. We have the correct rules. But we have to have a growth mindset that what we're doing is not working in order to keep our children home and to bring everyone back home. And it is, Jesus told us himself that he wants to reunite all Christians. So we have to know that we 
do not know everything. The Protestants have a lot of amazing things that they're doing that we should learn from and bring us all together. That is what Jesus told us, not, you know, not to be divided, but yet that's Satan loves the division. He loves us saying, well, you're wrong about this. You're wrong. Let's talk about what we're right about. Mm -hmm. We all have some truths and we have the fullness of truth that need to bring the beauty and the love in order and not be know-it-alls so that we can bring everyone back home. And Mary, Mary Kay, I just love that because, you know, one of our points of distinction is that we know when we are, I know when I am. And I think that's so critical. You know, we can, we could read the gospels every single day and never be charitable or never be patient or never be kind. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's again, the taking what we know in our head what we're aware of and actually living it out. And that's something, again, one of our key principles of the woman's school is that information doesn't equal transformation. Mm-hmm. It's the incarnation of these concepts that we're exposing ourselves to. And in this age of information overload, um, where we don't have a context on how to integrate the information that we're learning, it can just skip across the surface. And so I think the information that we're being exposed to, be it in the church or just in general, can actually lead to paralysis Mm -hmm. unless we have um, that accountability and a way of practically applying it to our life. And that, uh, you know, as we, we talk about a lot, it's just that hunger for growth is actually hardwired in us. It's how the father even made our brains. We are hardwired for growth. And when I think about you know, the goodness of, of the father and how he created the universe. Everything is always expanding. Yeah. There's nothing about the father that contracts. Everything is expansive. And, you know, one of my deepest prayers is Lord expand the capacity of my heart and increase my capacity to love. Yeah. And I think about how growth, you know, especially as you just said so beautifully, Mary Kay, as we continue to grow, we realize we know so little, Mm-hmm. It opens up all the vistas of things we don't know, which increases our, our desire and also increases our humility. Mm-hmm. And I think really humility beautiful. is the deepest fruit of that growth mindset. Yeah, and I think that's the key word. It's the mother of all virtue because I think the root of a fixed mindset is really pride and that we almost refuse to, to look from within our own um I would say self-reflection of where we are and who we are because um, we already know, you know, and I remember this very defining moment for me that I had spoken to somebody, you know, who was much older than me, who had raised many children and, you know, grown children. And I remember sharing her the thing that I was doing in the women's school and, you know, just kind of invite her to take a look at it, not for her to be a student, but just kind of to just take a look at it, even from, um, sort of the support standpoint. And I remember her re- reaction was, um, I think I've already raised, you know, many children. And I think I read enough about being a mom and being a woman. I don't need this. And that was a real gift to me because I said, I, I pray to God that I never, I am never too, you know, prideful to not receive wisdom from somebody younger than me or who knows less, um, who less, who knows less. Um, you know, because I think uh, it was almost just a really defining moment for me to be able to say, I hope that I don't raise my children thinking I know it. I said, so this is it, but I could learn from a little child, you know, and it was a really repelling and it really, you know, struck out to me. And it wasn't a judgment, more an observation of what I can learn from it because we learn from both the wounds. And I think 
you, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of like, okay, I've done my part, <laughs> you know, raise my kids and I, 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 you know, and that I, I can't grow more. And I think that our life becomes so stagnant and uninviting because when we're not growing, our circle shrinks, you know, and I think of JP too, that as he got older, his circle got bigger. And, you know, it was when he rallied up the most youth. It was when he showed the world suffering was so beautiful and that he was constantly growing. He was, until the day he died, he was teaching this, I think of this coffin that was a wooden coffin, you know, with such humility. And that's really what it is. It boils down to, you know, our humility to say, I am just beginning the journey today. You know, but I just think there's so much freedom in in knowing that we don't know. Because we don't have to pretend we have all these big figure out and kind of, you know, we talked about MK earlier, like performing culture, <laughs> right? Everything all together. In, um, and I think, you know, I want to talk about a little bit about the domestic church of, I think, uh, the um, effects and impact of a fixed mindset in a domestic church. And the question I want to pose to both of you is that what is your observation when couples stop dreaming and growing together and families have this concept of, or do not, or have not learned how to intentionally grow together, but yet there's so much doctrine, there's so much theology, and um, it's almost a, a scale of just so much, you know, information, but this concept of formation which is the incarnational experience of truth being goodness which is our lord is so lacking um what's your experience in you know and you're seeing kind of where our domestic church is at this point i can speak to that i think that we have so many beautiful examples of catholic families um but i think as busy moms sometimes we get into that fixed mindset that well i can't i can't go to europe i can't do this i can't do that we can't we we focus on what we can't do especially having a large family and that because we are busy and it is a bit of a dance party to get someone to come watch six children nobody's volunteering when you have six when you have one or two maybe you'll get a grandparent but nobody's volunteering when you got a bunch um and so i think that we put off those things that we have in our hearts and we say well when my kids are raised i'll go to italy when my kids are raised, I'll see the Vatican and I'll do all these things then. And I think it, it causes a resentment within us because we are not living out our dreams and we're not fulfilling our life. And by the grace of God, we don't know if we have tomorrow. That doesn't mean go spend every penny you make. Obviously we're called to be prudent and responsible, but we have to live our life and we have to live it fully. And he tells us live life. You're most fully alive. What God is most fully alive, man alive is God most so, you know, I think that's so important for us to, and, and I see a lot of the older generation that they're just now getting to, to do these things. And they're kind of like what you were talking about, January, I'm done. You know, I did my job. I did my duty, but our duty is never done. Mm -hmm. Every day is a gift from the Lord. And we are called to know, love and serve him and to live out our, our vocation. And so we're never called to be done with anything. And and in that context as well, that we can always learn. I think learning from my children, I learn every day from my children and I want them to know they, they teach me so much. You know, we just had our sixth child six months ago and you would think sometimes I'll go to the, the doctors. Oh yeah. You know what they're supposed to be doing in two months. I'm like, Oh, not really remind <laughs> me. You forget, you know, <laughs> but I can tell you my sister-in-law that has four children 
and that is a few years younger than me, has been such a gift. She has told me so many things that I have learned that have helped me be a better mom to my sixth child and not be as frustrated or lose my temper, but just to have more patience and more love. She's helped me with sleeping. She's helped me with so many things. But if I was so fixed minded to think that, oh, well, I already have six kids. I've got this figured out. I would still be swimming in a puddle of getting up half the night, you know, so, so we can learn something from everyone and we just need to be open to know that we can do that. And, you know, as far as the, the church goes, we, we do have a doctrinal truth, but when we're not, we're not living out the faith, we don't know how to connect with Jesus Christ a lot. And I see that so much in, in our, my Catholic friends is, they, they have their Sunday obligation. They go to confession. They pray the rosaries, but they don't know what a relationship with Jesus Christ means. And the woman's school has, does that so beautifully because it teaches you really to get into your imagination, to dream. And you can't visualize the intangible of our faith and a life with the Father and, and that everything we do is for Jesus Christ. And seeing Mary as our model of how to be a woman if we can't get into our imagination. And so, you know, it is through suffering and through a very difficult time we went through about three years ago that I really found that personal relationship with Jesus Christ when I had nothing else, nothing mm -hmm. else to, to stand on. And so it's, it's through that, the fire that you're refined, mm -hmm. but through the fear of dreaming and the fear of imagination that we sometimes see, we are missing out on a depth that we will never reach without going there. Yeah. And we need to go there confidently with the father, with Jesus Christ, his son, and allowing the Holy Spirit to move within us and to, to burn our hearts, to fulfill the de desires that he has for us. Mm -hmm. Mary Catherine, I think that's just so beautifully said, because my observation right along with you there is when we have a church that has lost a growth mindset or never cultivated that skill in the first place, we have a church that is stuck. Mm -hmm. And and that's my observation, um, just for my my past fifteen or twenty years, you know, traveling and visiting different parts of the country and traveling the world. Is the majority of people today are stuck, and that means if 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 we've stopped growing, that means our relationships have stopped growing. You know, what makes for a passionate marriage is when the husband and wife are both growing. Then it's a constant discovery of who's this person before me. Because it's when we, if, if we stop growing, we can take one another for granted versus mm -hmm. no, I have, I have work to do. I need to study you and, and rediscover you. And I talk about, I want to get a post, post, post doctorate in my husband. I've got 50 to 75 mm -hmm. years, God willing, you know, I need to be studying him and learning and rediscovering him because he's a mystery that mm -hmm. I can, I can never know my husband because he is, he's an infinite mystery that I have the privilege of walking alongside for however many you know, days, years, however long that our Lord gives us in our life together. And same thing with our children. And I, I love learning from both of you that and, and, and as you're teaching me how you study your children and observe your children so that we can know how to parent them uniquely in the way that most resonates with their heart. And the same thing with our spouse, same thing with our friends. If I show up the same way for every one of my friends, um, that's not fair because each of my friends are different. And so um, that, that growth lead to an expansion of heart, which increases our capacity for love, for wisdom, and a hunger to keep growing. So we can bring, uh, be the person that our Lord created us to be. Yeah. And so I think um, 
another key piece that just really strikes me is when we're stuck, it actually, uh, we project that image upon God the Father. It's fear. It's fear. And yeah. that this is all he has for us. This is yeah. it. Yeah. You know, wipe your bottom and clean mm-hmm. house. Yeah. And we're not doing it with love. We're not yeah. doing it well. And, and that's why I think, you know, we raise our children and we're like, this is it. I'm going to just go wild and dust my feet off because I think, and I think, you know, we were not formed to grow in our motherhood, in our marriages and individually as a human person. So I don't necessarily think we can blame ourselves and this, the fact that, you know, it's almost like expecting somebody to write a paper when you've never taught them ABC. Mm-hmm. because really a growth mindset requires a ton of formation. It requires a lot of awareness of, of failure being a gift. It requires an, um, language. We need to actually know how to speak in the capacity that we're open to growth. And so the lack of formation is exactly, you know, what's hindering us because I think we want to know that we're open. We want to know that we're growing, uh, but how, you know, that's where the rubber hits the road. And I think this is also the reason why two things, we don't respond to our call, our call for greatness and our call that God wants us to have in our homes, outside our homes and everything in between, because, and I'm not going to give my child a car if I know he doesn't know how to drive. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that God placed a calling in all our hearts. When we were born, we were designed with his intention in mind to fulfill his desire that he has put in our heart becomes our desire, right? And through intimacy, we get to know that. But if we don't know, if we don't, we, if we don't have a habit of saying, well, you know, um, let me just go into the unknown. Let me just be uncomfortable. Let me walk into this difficult conversation. Let me read this book that maybe I don't know if I completely agree with it, but I can learn from parts of it. You know, because unless it is a completely Catholic book, then we won't even want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And I said, truth is truth. And that's why I love St. Thomas Aquinas because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he said, truth is truth because God cannot contradict himself. And so I think when we live in fear because we are not growing, we start to pay attention to everyone else. And that's where comparison and competition happens. Why? Because we see everyone else is growing and because we're not intentionally growing and dreaming and designing and expanding we get caught up on what everyone else is doing. Why? Because we're not busy in doing what exactly God is asking of us. And I think our life's call is, in a, is, is directly connected to our peace of mind. And, you know, God designed it that way. Like when we're learning something new and novel and exciting, dopamine gets released in our body. We get relaxed. And that's why we love novel experiences. That's why God designed an incredibly beautiful, aesthetically beautiful world because he wants us to be in awe and wonder. Like when we went to Montana, where I took the whole family, it's like a forever memory in my children's mind that they're like, mom, that was the best vacation. It was new, it was novel, it was stunning, and it released every dopamine senses in their body that it was like, wow, mom, this is so beautiful. And then they say, this is what God made, you know, but the expansion is so powerful. And so our life's call is halted. So we can't even receive it. So then we're resentful, but we don't have language for resentment. We just know, well, this is it. This is about life of suffering, but not about joy, right? We forget about the resurrection and we forgot. And I love that St. Hildegard said Christ came and died on the cross for us, but he also came. So he taught us how to live. Yeah, he said, you know, God's glory is man fully alive with St. Irenaeus. And I'm like, how can we just, we can't just, you know, 
pop life and not bring life. Yeah. But if we don't, if we're not growing and we're not excited about the life we live in, then we don't have life to give. Yeah. And, and we see it in our children. Yeah. And Jenny, that to me is, I mean, that, that should, that could be a bumper sticker. We can't pop life if we don't give life. And that capacity to continually be giving life, you know, again, it, who we are as women, we're, we're biological mothers, but our highest calling is who we are as spiritual mothers. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the exact point as, as wives, as mothers, as friends, as sisters, et cetera. If we're not expanding, if we're not moved by beauty, if we're not filled with awe and wonder at the world around us, at, at the goodness of the father, at our faith, at if we're not constantly growing, how can we instill that in our children? Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden life becomes this life of drudgery. And how is that attractive? How are we inviting people into the fullness of faith if our life looks like a life of misery and bitterness and resentment and drudgery? We have an obligation to grow, to render the fullness of the faith attractive. And also a point to that, Ange, is that we have an obligation as mothers to not be the helicopter parent that tells the child, you need to go become a doctor. You need to go do this because we cannot tell our children what the desires of their heart are. And I think we've lived through a generation of wanting to make sure that we have achievement and achievement does not equal fulfillment. No. And we see success as, you know, if you're a doctor, you're successful. Well, if you're called to be a doctor, then you will be fulfilled. But if that's not your call, you will not be happy. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more miserable than feeling like you are on this path because you spent $150,000 and 13 years on a degree and it's not what you want to do. And then you're stuck. You're stuck. As mothers and as young people listening to this, you can't ask your parents, what am I supposed to do? You have to learn how to dream and how to get into your imagination and how to discern the father's call in your life. And so we can help ask you appropriate questions and really learn how to seek the father's will in your life. But we cannot tell you because we're not in your heart. And so I think it, we are called to become, we, to become more responsible than we have been in helping our children fulfill their divine call and their divine mission in life, as opposed to what we think will be successful on paper. And yeah. my husband, we're not. No, right. He says, you know, are we asking our young people, what makes your heart sing? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. saint was that, Angie? My, my husband says that, oh. you know, making, but you know, <laughs> what makes your heart sing? Are we asking that question? Yeah. And I think the root cause of that is that we're not fulfilled. And so we project a lack of fulfillment and sort of this desires of our heart that we didn't, you know, we, we didn't have a chance because for whatever reason, we you know, we weren't given the formation of growth and being open to failure or to growing so then we tell them what we want and hope that they will get fulfilled. And it becomes a disorder. And really, you know, I think as women, our life needs to be inspiring. And in the women's school, we define a beautiful woman as, a, you know, a woman that inspires the world to be better. And what inspiration means is to breathe life. That it's not what we do, but it's who we are that we breathe the life in. So whatever we do, we breathe life in. Men. And so think about, you know, what you said, MK, earlier, you know, that, um, what was your stats about, you know, children leaving the church, right? Um, and, and so our first, the first 
people we invite is our children. It's the first people we inspire. And so how can we inspire someone if we are not inspired? And I remember I asked, you know, I remember one of the women in the women's school and her comments stood out to me. She's like, you know, I feel like I'm this work in the women's school is, is so much work and I'm walking. It's so uncomfortable, but I've never felt more alive. It's true. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just true. because I think that's the thing is that we've, we, you said earlier, MK, you can talk a little bit about, you know, we're not willing to be uncomfortable. I want you to elaborate on that. So if, if it makes us feel uncomfortable, if there's conversations we don't agree with, then we don't go there. If, you know, if there's one part that we don't agree with, we create blanket narrative and be like, that must be not. Well, be careful. Be careful. Be careful about that. Okay. Be careful. Right. I, this is like, I just wrote a word. You know, be careful of the Pharisees. Be, I'm sorry, be careful of the tax collectors. Be careful of the prostitutes. Be careful, be careful, be careful. I can't, I, I almost get like so upset about the word be careful because God wasn't careful. Like he, he. say be formed. Yes, that's actually a great replacement. Be prudent, but be free in the love. The fact that I will never stop loving my child. Like I, you know, I think we're so afraid. Be careful because what you deal with. Yes, we have to be prudent. There's evil stuff out there, but what, evil remains evil without the light of Christ. Like I, when I saw Chosen, I'm like, oh my gosh, Mary Magdalene was possessed. I forget that she was possessed and God called her by name, not afraid of her, like not even flinching. And, you know, there was a scene there that really blew my mind. And because Jesus called um, Matthew, the tax collector, and Matthew was like, you want me to to come with you and all the disciples were like oh he's the sinner i mean all the this you don't do that this is what you do this is what you do this is that's the kind of person all the labels right i think it was peter who did it and jesus looks at him and says get used to the different yes he uses the least expected right but we're afraid of what's different and uncomfortable we don't read books unless they're fully catholic that's why we don't like personal development books and we have all these different boxes why we are afraid to go there and it goes back to the fact that we have stopped growing therefore we're afraid of anything new and different and then now we have a church that's stuck is is profoundly stuck and the very and and we're stuck at every level and i think you know the crisis that we're facing today is also a a fruit of a lack of accountability Mm. and where have the women been to hold those around us accountable and to have that courage. And we know, again, that perfect love casts out fear. And because we are not living in that love, we're not living in that gaze, we've, we've literally projected this stuckness onto God the Father, we haven't been showing up. And so this is such an opportunity and a call, like we just talked about in the, the whole fruit of this, of God willing, this podcast and this ongoing conversation is an invitation for women to rise, to be not afraid, to walk into our call into who God created us to be, which is to show the world that we're not afraid. And I even love, you know, Jesus calling out to Zacchaeus, I want to come to your home tonight. It doesn't get more personal than that. And as as we're trying to rebuild the domestic church, our home should be that beacon of light that invites the stranger and the sinner, that, that models for our children that expansiveness of heart that everyone is our brother and sister and should come and find home with us, starting with our children. 
that this, the home, the domestic church should be the launching pad of every member of our family into our dreams and into our God-given mission. It's painful to even, we want to remember with talking about be not afraid is the most used words in the Bible. And JP too, one of my great heroes, that is one of his most famous quotes that I think probably 75 times a day, be not afraid, be not afraid. We need to march forward without fear because we know that the enemy cannot create. He can only distort. So everything out there was originally created for good by God for good. And he can only distort the truth. So we need to take back the distorted truths for the good that God created them. And we learn a lot of that from St. Hildegard. So many amazing things. This woman is amazing. And she is really born for a time like this that we're in now, a thousand years later. You know, she was just made a doctor at the church, I believe, was it 2012? Mm-hmm. She's That's the first woman doctor of the church. And if you don't know much about her, I encourage all the listeners to, there's a four-part series on this podcast about St. Hildegard. You will be blown away that this woman lived a thousand years ago. And I learned so much from her. Most people have never even heard from her. But God is giving us, you know, where evil abounds, grace abounds more. And he is giving us so many tools. Like, you know, we have so many issues with promiscuity now, but we have theology of the body, which is such a gift. And theology of the body is not just about the sexual aspect of life. It is about the entire human person. And what we do in the woman's school is about living out theology of the body. It is absolutely beautiful. And we have the tools of making St. Hildegard a doctor of the church. We have the, the great organization of focus, which is an awesome opportunity for young people on college campuses where, you know, you, you think you're signing your kid away to, they leave for four years and that state university undoes everything you've tried to instill in your kid for the past 18 years. But we shouldn't look at it like that. We have to be able to send our kids out in the world to fulfill their divine mission and their divine call and to know good, right from wrong, but to go out and be not afraid and to be able to know the enemy distorts, but he cannot create. And so we take back the good. You know, we have this, um, this, attitude in our culture now that we get everything that we want all immediate gratification there's no delayed gratification and i think it's such a tragedy because we put a band-aid on really reaching the depth of our soul and really figuring out what we really want in life because it's just about pleasure for the moment and it's gonna hurt you're gonna have to walk through some pain and some suffering to really get to the victory right Nothing worth having in life is easy. And so we have to learn how to suffer and teach our kids how to suffer, but not stay there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times in the church, like you said, we stay on Good Friday and we forget, oh yes, there was Easter Sunday. And his <laughs> dreams of us, his dreams over us truly are so much bigger than our own, but we don't really believe it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a song um, by his own called Making Me New. And it's just been such a special song to me where I think that all the time. Lord, your dreams over me are so much bigger than our own, Mm -hmm. but do I really believe it? And when we do believe it and we step out on faith, not knowing what's on the other side, that's when we will, he will meet us there and show us his desires for us are so much better than anything we could have ever dreamed on our own. We can't even dream it, but we have to be willing to suffer for, and that's what passion is to suffer for what we love. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to walk through the fire to be refined so that we can come out on the other side and find the dream that he has for us. And and Mary Kate, you speak to this so beautifully. Can you speak to, again, as a mother of of six, 
allowing our children to suffer. You know, there's that, that helicopter parent syndrome. I think that's kind of permeating our culture right now. And, you know, I think one of the, I, I'm a new mother, but how hard it is to watch Catherine suffer, but also knowing that some suffering is so critical for her growth. So could you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, that's something we have focused on since our children were little and, you know, little things we would do whenever our children were little that, oh, you want an animal cracker, an animal cookie. Well, you can have one right now, but if you wait for three hours, you can have three. Um, and I really am trying to get away from using food because we use food as rewards and that's not good, but you know, maybe you can, every time we go to the store, no, you're not going to buy something every time we go to the store, but on your birthday, or maybe if we save up our money, you're going to get rewarded for picking up things Then you can save up. And, you know, we have our children give a, a, a dollar to the church and then they may have $5 they can spend. And then maybe they have to save $4, however that, however you want to do that. But it's so important for them to learn delay gratification and for us not to smooth out every bump in the road for them. You know, you see, I have a friend that's a college professor and she said, the most challenging thing for me today is not the kids, it's their parents. We have parents that are showing up on college campuses for their adult children to say, my kid got to be, because we don't know what it means to allow our kid to not be perfect because in our perfect society, we think that everything needs to be flawless. And that's actually not even the definition of perfect. It's a bad translation. God wants us to be perfect. And in his translation, he means whole mm -hmm. and complete, which is not flawless. We are not made to be flawless and life is not perfect. And I think if we can teach our kids to really embrace their failures and to learn from them, it's such an opportunity from growth. No one learns anything when they win every, every game you learn through, through your difficulties and you grow through your difficulties. Um, when you're on top of the world, there's no need to grow, right? No need so for God. <laughs> No need for God. And so he brings us to our knees for a purpose and to, to seek him. And I think that when our children have those opportunities, we need to let them, you know, I've, my kids have had great teachers and they've had some teachers that have been more of a dance, more of a dance party, a bit challenging. And, you know, the mother in you doesn't want them to have to go through a year of having a challenging teacher, mm -hmm. but the human in me knows that they have to, they have to weather the storm and that I can't fix everything for them in life. And it was a, a very challenging teacher, but a great opportunity to learn how to deal with difficult people. And, you know, we see a lot of moms that run up to the school and say, I'm pulling my kid out. If you don't change him, there is a time to fight for your child, but there's also a time to let them figure some stuff out for their own on their own. And at the age appropriate, you know, whatever is age appropriate. If your kid is getting beaten, uh, 10 year old and they're six years old, you're not going to let a kid wail on them. Yeah. But, um, you know, you find the balance and you find the appropriate, but probably if you think I need to jump in, you need to really think about it twice because could it be an opportunity for growth where they can really learn invaluable lessons and, you know, they're really cheap life lessons that are priceless. Yeah. Right? And it's the same thing I think with work, because I think work is evidence of their value. It doesn't change our children's value but it gives them evidence of meaningful work. And I see a lot of parents who are pulling their hair off because we have feel like we need to do everything for our children and that our children do not have the opportunity to arise. And I think that it's really a robbery because we see a lot of college women who are 
really skill deprived because everything was done for them. Their bed was made, their laundry was done. Their parents cooked food for them. They bought everything. They got up at 10 o'clock in the morning, got, you know, ate food, played video games, watched TV, called their friends and their children, you know, their parents were bending over backwards trying to do it. I see it over and over again. And it's, I think, attached to the fact that what we give our children their achievement becomes our value. We attach our value. This is how the whole thing is scandal with a college um, right. campus. It was saying is that we're bribing them to, you know, the, the whole scandal that happened because we attach their achievement to our value because we don't know our objective value in the eyes of God. So our value becomes so external that we control our children, manipulate them, give everything that they want at the cost of their sanity and sanctity yes because it makes us feel better about who we are because we actually don't have a good self-image of ourselves, and it becomes a double robbery then we raise children that are entitled because we've done everything for them like Mm -hmm. you know and i i you know everyone asks me how do you do it you've got eight children you know like you you work and i said my children work (laughs) it's i am and and, you know, MK, I'm going to take notes for you because I think that's a beautiful, like, tip. So we can learn so much from each other. Like, I'm like, you want one cookie shower, three? You know, I think that's a great. And, and all these different, I think, growth mindset, growth culture is so important. And because what you said, it's because we don't want discomfort for our children that we do it for them. And there's a Montessori concept, and it's basically, you know, um, don't do for your child, what they can do for himself because it's a robbery. And um, I think that when parents feel like they have to entertain their child, do everything for them, provide for them, we have children who don't have concept of their value because they don't see the meaningful work that they can contribute. I mean, we, you know, I typically have help and this whole month they don't have help. And I just saw my children, you know, my eight-year-old say, mom, I've got the menu here. This is the schedule. I'm going to get up at 5.45 in the morning. I got up and breakfast was made. And it's not really to toot my own horn. Honestly, it's been kind of like a, a slug work of trying to pull my children to say, no, you work in a house. And it's like every day I sound like a broken record. And But, you know, they're running the house. They're running the show. And I really see that they see that their work is so meaningful. Because I'm like, Jacqueline, you have to watch Rock for an hour because I'm doing a podcast. I'm sorry, but... This is your contribution to us changing, you know, the world and everybody's called to change the world. And so they get to do that. And it's like, no, mom, I'll do lunch. And honestly, we don't give our children opportunity for discomfort to rise because we attach our value to, to their comfort. It makes us feel better. Does this make sense? Speaking about that us. Makes, no, not- yeah, that makes Exactly. So much sense coming back again, as women, our crisis, the crisis in the world right now of a self-image and self-worth crisis, because we're not rooted and grounded in love, we're projecting that on our children. I think, Jenny, that's that's just so brilliant. And just in getting to visit you last year, you know, one of the things that just struck Billy and I the most is your your GFG, is your mealtime and talking with the children. You're asking for, you know, how did you grow today? How did you fail today? And what's your gratitude? For the day that GFG, and I love how you're incorporating that. How did you, how did you fail? That's creating a culture where failure is permissible because failure is critical for growth. Mm-hmm. And I know that it'll be just so important for me as a as a mother as Catherine is learning to walk that I don't say be careful, be careful, but I, I celebrate the falls 
because those are her getting stronger in her ability to walk, in her growth and independence and interdependence. And so even that language that we use, you know, with our small children, are we saying, be careful, be careful all the time? Are we saying, no, go try, stretch, fail, fall down. That's how we grow. Um, and we can cultivate that. Um, we can, we can literally, without even being aware of it, create a culture of caution and being overly careful, careful and a fear helicopter. of right, that helicopter mentality, even by our tonality and our words with our, with our infant and, and, and very small children. And so this is just, a, again, a call for that examination of conscience and that what are we afraid of? What are we backing down from? Um, and how do we need to grow so that we can model this for our children and inspire our, our spouses and our friends? And it helps take, take it off of us as well, having large families. We cannot do it all. And God does not expect us to do it all. It is okay to ask for help. It's good to ask for help. And, you know, am I having my child run the entire household from morning to night? Absolutely not. They're watching the baby while I'm on this podcast. They're going to have lots of fun time built in today, too. They're going to have, you know, I think every day they, they need to have um, body, mind, and soul. So we have our kids do something physical every day. They need to do something growth-minded. They can read a book for 30 minutes. They can do an activity. They can, you know, do, do something to learn in their mind. Then they also need to do something spiritual every day. So we pray our family rosary and they also need, try, we try to encourage them to do something on their own. So every day we work on our body, our mind and our soul every day. Right. We also have tons of time to play. We have abundant time when we have this mentality in our culture. There's not enough time because we're always running from one activity to the next. And I think that's such a beautiful gift that COVID-19 has brought us is just slowing life down and showing us that we're running around for what, yeah. and, you know, as we have, um, slow life down, we can really see that we're doing all these things that are so purposeless, but there is purpose in having your kids contribute to the family. They feel needed and every human needs to know that they're needed. I think that's a robbery of some of the, the older people in our life is they don't feel needed anymore. Oh, that's so that's massive. massive. And they have so much wisdom to offer us and they are so needed, but they need to show up and know and be needed as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. they have to meet us, meet us there. Um, I could not be raising all these children without my parents. They're amazing. You know, they're the design. I'm sorry, Mary, really? forgive me. No, you're perfect. Um, there's, per you're, you're not flawless, but you're complete and whole. <laughs> <laughs> not arrived yet. <laughs> you're pretty flawless too, I must say. <laughs> no, um, but it, it's so true. You're, you can be such a gift to your grandchildren as you get older. And I have such amazing memories with my, with my meemaw, my dad's mom. Mm. And she was a very big part of the person that I am today. I, I chose to spend a lot of time with her. I would ride my bike across town. My mother probably just is finding out this right now. I mean, through the busy streets at probably nine or 10 years old, she probably didn't tell her where I was going. Um, there were no cell phones and I've lived to tell about it. Imagine that. Um, but the, the <laughs> the lessons and the love that she gave me were invaluable because there is something that grandparents do for our children that we cannot do. Oh, yeah. You know, my, my mom and dad are heroes to my children mm -hmm. and it, it's such a gift. And, you know, I was blessed to be raised in a beautiful home with very good formation. And one thing that speaks to what we were talking about earlier that my dad would always tell us is if you want life to be easy, be difficult on yourself. And he didn't mean to be hard, but 
you have to work. It's work. And if you want life to be hard, take the easy path, lay around all day, watch TV because life will be really hard for you. You know, what you get into it is what you put out and that we are called to work. God made us to work Mm -hmm. and it it increases our self-worth and our value. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just think it's such an important point for us to know that we all need to be needed and through our value, through our work, and through our contribution is where we find our value. Yeah. It should be all, it should be all through Jesus and through the divine, but by fulfilling the divine call in our life, we find that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That word. Yeah. And our contribution is from our divine purpose. That's what it is, is that if we grow in intimacy and if we're willing to try and fail and try again, we eventually will land and we have to trust that they will land in our failures if we are growing as you know, in our, in our faith formation, in our human formation, that God will lead us to that call as a, as a journey is jagged, you know? And so I think I'm going to speak to this because I think it's an important conversation is that, you know, when we become empty nesters, we have lived a life sometimes of such uh, emotional and mental exhaustion because we've silenced our desires, we've silenced our dreams. And we say, this is what motherhood is to lay my life down, but a disordered laying our life down, laying our life down by not receiving life, giving life without receiving life, which is depletion, right? Because it's not, yesterday we read, it was so beautiful. And and MK, you were there, that it's not about being a a, a tunnel or a vessel. It's about being a reservoir. And I just thought that was so profound is that we've, we don't, we, we have empty nesters and we have lost our reservoir. So now as grandparents, we're exhausted and we have nothing to give. We're like bare minimum. Yeah. It's my time because the reservoir is gone and I'm too tired. I've become resentful and I've done what I'm supposed to do with a little bit of resentment and regret. So now let me go haywire and do what I think. As opposed to, you know, motherhood become a continual, um, I think, life of receptivity in order to have the capacity for generosity. So we grow in our old age because why? We are growing. That goes back to this concept of a growth mindset. Our fixed mindset has put a cap on our receptivity. Therefore, we are giving from an empty cup. And at the end of the, you know, empty nesters, it's like, well, I've got nothing. I've given everything I've got. As opposed to that act of humility where, oh my gosh, I am 55 now. There's so much more to learn. There's so much more to grow. What is God asking of me? Because I think that the greatest, our greatest and our biggest wounds can become our greatest gift to humanity. Mm -hmm. And so I look at so much of my life. I, you know, didn't have any mentorship. And I look to so many of the older women with such profound hunger for wisdom and Mm -hmm. we need them, that cycle of life. And so, you know, I feel like, John Paul too never sort of stopped giving because he had such a reservoir because of his life of study and generosity and formation. And I think that's what the invitation we would like is that, you know, we need you women who are empty nesters to lead us because you are full of experience. And that's where wisdom comes from is through experience. And you can speak to our challenges and almost bypass us or carry us alongside with wisdom so that we you, you, we are able to find the light in the things that we go through every day and not feeling like, okay, this is, you know, this is it, quite a, a life of quite desperation. So that really all through our life, we're invited to continually have a humility to say, I can always grow more. 
Exactly. And, and Jenny, Mary Kay, I think that's so beautiful. And I think of, you know, two of the women that I admire most in my life, my grandmother, Grandma Betty, and my mom. And Grandma Betty is 93. And she continually baffles me because, I mean, she learned how to use an iPhone. She's learned how to use Facebook. She's texting. <laughs> you know, she's doing video chats. Um, my grandmother has never stopped learning and being open to new things and technology. I mean, she'd be like, that's, I'm not, I'm not open to that, but she is constantly opening herself to new things. And, and one of the things I admire most about her as well is not only has she maintained friendships for 70 and 80 years, but she's always welcoming new people into her life. She has literally friends in their you know, she's in her nineties, friends in their, their seventies, sixties, fifties, forties, thirties down. And she's always, and that's the, that's the beauty wow. of the community is we're always welcome, welcoming new people into our life, new friendships and giving God permission to bring that new and that novelty. And, and also as we're growing, that gives us an ability to expand our skills. You know, grandma Betty was, she's like, I want an iPhone. I want to learn how to do this. I want to learn how to text with my grandchildren you know, and I think of my, my mother-in-law as well, who's out there skiing at 82 and just constantly mm -hmm. expanding herself. And, and, you know, my mom who's worked mm -hmm. on 82, still skiing brilliantly, you know, and my own mother who just models this so beautifully for me, you know, even when she was, you know, home with us, she was always taking a class. She's, she's worked on two master's degrees while raising us, just, just chipping away one at a time, but she's always growing, always learning new things, always expanding. And just, uh, my dad retired and then went and got an MBA with no ambition of ever using that. But I just, I'm so grateful to have that model. And I mm -hmm. think again, there's, some, there's a key distinction as well between the academic formation, which can be the knowing, right? Versus mm -hmm. even the skill formation. And that's why it's so critical. Um, and we have several strategists in the women's school who are one in particular, Miss, uh, Miss Angie DePlazes, who I just want to honor and celebrate. She inspires me every single day. She's raised a beautiful family. She's an empty nester now who has become a strategist with the woman's school and the amount of growth that she has experienced just in the past couple of months. I mean, learning new technology, doing things she was terrified of, and now she's teaching us. It's just so beautiful to have those, those role models in our life of women who never stop growing, who never start expanding, who are so attractive in their humility oh, ugh, and in their quest to constantly be having their heart expanded. And now, you know, Miss Angie is impacting so many of her peers because yeah. she was not afraid to grow and be open yeah. to new things. She's like, like coming here looking for wisdom. I just, I can actually cry when I think of her because she's, you know, January, you know, what about this? And what about a script for this? And I'm, I'm just like in tears because I sincerely, I, you know, I'm like, Lord, I pray that I would have enough humility to learn from anyone and everyone that here I am almost unworthy of speaking to this woman who has raised a beautiful family. And here she was asking for advice from me. And I'm like, I just want to, Lord, remember that experience that I can always grow from everyone else. Like, it is such invitation to be humble. You know, I remember I asked this one lady, I asked in my, my, my post on Facebook, I was like, you know, what would you do different if you could? And she said, I would not do anything different. My life is what it is and I, I love it. And I thought, this isn't really about a question about us not really wanting our life. It's a question of that we can learn from the wisdom of our past and see things, you know, with a different lens and that humility. And I think it was more of a, um, a defense mechanism 
you know, and I think we all have defenses because we think we've been wounded. And at the end of the day, that's what I want women to sort of see is that most of us have not, get, we're not given the formation to continually grow and open our mind. So I think that we're stuck and together we're stuck. Our church is stuck, you know, because if we weren't stuck, we would be in creating invitation of millions of people with truth, beauty, and goodness because we have the fullness of truth. But something's amiss. Right. And I think that if we truly become open and growing and walking into their own discomfort and facing our own, you know, um, failures and loving ourselves through it, then we learn to live a life of humility. And instead of becoming a repelling, inviting people to the church. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Jenny, I think I just want to leave one point with there as well, is that when we are on our own growth journey, when we're pursuing our dreams, when we're, we're stumbling and falling and failing forward fast, we actually give other people permission to chase their dreams yeah. and to grow. We give our spouse, our children, our friends, our family permission to grow when they see us honoring that struggle. Yeah. And it also helps us to not compare and compete with other women as we are growing ourselves, yes. which is such an issue in our culture today. And, and I think we have to remember to tell our empty nesters, we're not here to for you to prove that I'm a better mom than you are. We should want to help every generation be better than the next. And hopefully that's what we will be doing as we're learning and growing more. We will be able to, to live that truth out. Mm -hmm. Our value doesn't change with age. Our value yeah. is subjective. It's not subjective to age, physical. And I think that's sometimes we put that value in age and mm -hmm. You know, I think that we should always be that little child, right? Mm -hmm. That who's saying, I don't know, teach me. Yes. You know, and to live in that sense of wonder. And that's why I invite everybody here as we sort of close is that, you know, we have to ask ourselves and as, as a form of reflection, am I growing? Am I training my skill set? Am I improving my kitchen skills? Am I improving my communication skills? Am I reading a new novel book that is when I say novel and book that's helping me for my mind am I dreaming because dreaming allows us to fuel our discipline and to really begin to say Lord how can I grow more closer to you closer to my spouse and learn about this beautiful world we live in you know so that's what I think you know invitation and I even see the formation I'm seeing even in our friendship MK that you know, I feel so free because when we are growing, we're not really afraid of everybody's growth because we know what it takes. So there's eliminates a comparison and competition, which is so repelling, you know, and so then you've got friendships that are just so rich. We can learn so much from each other, <laughs> you know, and there's no need to compare and compete anymore because my call is different than your call. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we should different. Be when, we're, when we're seeking our own divine call. And we can truly celebrate one another yeah. and celebrate the role that we each play in the mystical body. Yeah. So I think we can end here, ladies. Thank you so much. Such Thank a gift you so much you. for having me. It's been such an honor. Well, we'll be back for our conversation and judgment, conversation and comparison. And this is a conversation that's raw and real. Thank you so much for all our listeners. Please share this podcast. It's real, it's raw, and our mission and vision is to truly build the church of the formation of women, beginning with ourselves. And uh, we pray for you, we pray for all our listeners, our families, and we pray for our church as we continue to grow into our sanctity. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. Please write us at info at com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And to learn more about our work at The Woman's School, please visit our website, thewomanschool.org. Finally, we encourage you to take the wholeness quiz, which you will find on our website, thewomanschool.org. Because as St. Edith Shine taught us, as a woman becomes whole, she becomes a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole. Thank you, ladies. Until next time, let us rise and together rebuild our church.